Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. There's two white pills to, to, to meditate on right there. It's like yeah. the foundation of America. You know, not our, it is the worst government that's probably... Not the worst government, but like the most powerful government that's ever existed. Right. But like the foundation for like our, the spirit of our country is definitely very liberty inspired and, and, you know, focusing on, you know, your individual, your individualism and your ability to grow and build your own empire and your own little empire yeah. through peaceful means or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And then like technology, like, you know, we can, all the dollar collapses in some, you know, somebody throws in Bitcoin and, you know, we can like get our systems, you know, to flow. It doesn't have to be some sort of fucking, you know, pre-World War II type scenario where you see this and new Hitler comes out and gets all the knuckleheads riled up or, yeah. or something. Um, maybe we just replace it with Bitcoins and Amazon drones. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> All right. Oh, man, I'm actually upset I didn't get that. <laughs> he popped the wine bottle right at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I got Will Bell with me today. Dude, how you doing? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm absolutely fantastic. I've been looking forward to chatting with you for a while. Um, how is a blueberry wine? Like, where would you put it? Is it like a drier wine, sweet? Like, g- give me the full flavor of this wine. All right. So right now I'm drinking my dry. It's Brightwell. That's a variety of blueberry that I make from this one. And it is actually very dry. Okay. And we, ha- we got four different types and we kind of break them down into the sweetness level that we've we basically like once the process is done, we, we sweeten to taste. And that okay. Kind of thing. So okay, yeah, right on. So like, uh, what are the four flavors, and which one would be your favorite? This one right here, Brightwell. Okay, there's people off, but I don't know. The more you drink something, you kind of like um, the sweetness is just kind of like masking the actual taste of the the wine. So I kind of I've been drinking. A lot of this for like goodness since i was a teenager we've been making it so it's just abundant you know and, and i just kind of acquire more of that dry taste just like coffee or anything you start off sweet and then the more you drink something here yeah on that bitter. <laughs> yeah no no I, I know how that goes because i was the same way i used to drink coffee with a shitload of cream shitload of sugar and now i'll drink coffee black but i mean i'll still put like artificial sweetener in it or uh, like mm-hmm. you know sucralose stevia or something like that and maybe some uh cream or something like that but i can drink it black just as well and uh i am i'm a big whiskey guy too so hell yeah right on man yeah <laughs> yeah black coffee for me dry wines Play a little whiskey too but i'm more i'm more, I'm more stick on the beer and beer and wine level whiskey right. yeah i'm old it puts you, me down <laughs> yeah it puts me down but it, it still doesn't stop me from going after it some more my like my go-to is old fashions i've, I've kind of like gravitated back to there like every time my fiance and i go out to eat um I, if they have an old-fashioned on the menu that's normally what i get or if they have something like uh something with whiskey and it that sounds good i'll go for it either that or um <laughs> and it's gonna sound so funny to people but uh it's either like straight whiskey or margaritas and white claws. <laughs> There's no in between. <laughs> I feel you, man. I feel you. Margaritas and man, it's margaritas has been like that's been a while for me. 
Really? Uh, <laughs> I left tequila behind a long time ago. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? So we went to Ocean City back in uh, actually last month, and I drank probably enough tequila and margaritas to kill a full-grown elephant. I, I, <laughs> and I have no qualms about that. I mean, everywhere we went, it's just like, we're in Ocean City, dude. Let's rock and roll, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on, man. Right yeah, on. So we're, we're a few minutes in already. We're just shooting the shit about wine. Will, who the hell are you? And why are you the winemaker of like the Liberty movement? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm a third generation blueberry farmer. Okay. Um, been here on my family farm my whole life. Um, about 10 years ago, my dad's hobby of making blueberry wine, we, we started making it into a business. And we've been slowly but surely kind of saturating Georgia with our wine. We've kind of gotten online sales and stuff, but really the only reason I'm ever like, I've been on Twitter for a, longer than a decade now, but um, I'm, me and Reed are buddies. Like even before a show got popular, like we were just kind of Twitter, Twitter buddies. And then he just blew up out of nowhere. Let's me on his podcast every once in a while. So, you know, well, that's um, just kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, uh, it, it seems like everybody likes the wine because I know um, I, I've seen them all plug it a bunch. So, um, yeah, no, that, that's cool. kind of cool because that's something you and I kind of have in common. So, is your so your grandfather was one who kind of started farming blueberries and making wine? Um, my my grandfather was like he he did all kind of farming. He, he actually um, raised cattle, did chicken. Um, chicken farms and stuff like that. My dad always worked with them. And the farm that I grew up on and, and lived, they kind of have lived my whole life. They started in kind of like the eighties and just, mm -hmm. it was, um it was a farm they were kind of getting set up for someone else originally. And then it was just kind of like the, the, whatever happened, they backed out of the deal. And then my, they got the land for cheap and, and just started farming here. And it's been a blueberry farm for, we farmed other things throughout the time, but primarily it's just been a blueberry farm. My dad's really more the, the blueberry farmer and definitely the winemaker that started that tradition. Yeah. Do you feel any kind of like obligation to learn and do it yourself? Because uh, I am a fourth generation mechanic, right? So my dad, his dad, and then his dad after that had all fixed cars. So, um, like I, I kind of oh, yeah. noticed none of my siblings were doing it and I was like, all right, well, I guess that means that I'm the one to do it <laughs> now. You know, I definitely carried the torch. I mean, my dad and I went to the same college. We worked at the same dealership at one point, not like at the same time, but um, I worked there about 11 years after he did. And uh, I, I kind of carried the torch of the automotive, the stupid mechanic and not that I regret yeah, doing it, no. but if, if I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't be fixing cars. I sympathize with you right there, man. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. That, that urge to, you know, his grandfather was a farmer, successful entrepreneur, farmer, dad, dad is too. So that like drive me and I, my brother too, we both, you know, help out here. And it's, yeah, it's like kind of, it would almost be, I would, I feel like I'm losing if I have to go like, well, I'm just going to like go work for somebody else. <laughs> so, yeah, the, yeah. The, stre the stress of a family business is everything <laughs> you know every everything people think it is it's it's a lot yeah i mean like i am super tight with my dad and i i feel like i talk to him about just about anything what's up everybody um we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors um we are brought to you by element t electrolytes I've been using this stuff for years, and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio, and sometimes even before workouts, that my workout performance, or definitely cardio performance, would suffer greatly. Um, Sodium is responsible for every single movement pretty much in your entire body. and let's say you drink a lot of caffeine, like I like to do, then um, maybe it is a good idea, like I do every single morning, um, put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes. Um, there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, 
and uh, magnesium in your coffee so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Uh, also, it tastes really, really good. Get some uh, chocolate cream or hazelnut cream or even coconut and uh, mix that all up. It tastes really, really good. So, uh, yeah, make sure you drop by, go to drinklmnt.com slash health and uh, pick you up some electrolytes today. All right, guys. Thanks. Cool. As a Cadillac technician, um, I always find myself saying more often than not that uh, technology is absolutely fantastic when it works, but when it doesn't work, it really fucking sucks. And that includes internet on this stupid fucking thing right here. So I believe we were on the burden of uh, working for family and I've did it for probably a total of a year and like, I'm super cool with my dad, but uh, there is kind of like this. I don't know how other to say it than like a cloud of expectation that you feel about you because you know, you're working for the old man. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm super cool with my folks too and everything. And it's like, it's nothing they're doing. It's just that you put it on yourself, but there is that <laughs> expectation. Like I can do this too, like, mm-hmm. but you know, that I'm, I'm sure that's, you know, that, that burden of, you know, feeling it is what drives everybody. Yeah, that money, (laughs) but uh, it's kind of like you you do that, and then um, I feel like you never quite feel like you're ready to do it until like you do it, as in like in terms of taking over the business, like you never feel like you're quite ready until just one day it happens, and then you know you're just running it, and then it's good to go. Now I don't know if I'll ever own a shop. Um, the the family business may die with me. I don't know, but (laughs) I, I just man. And perhaps you could elaborate on this too, but like seeing the way that people treat business owners, it's like, man, this shit is on you. Like that is the height of responsibility because if you fuck up, like that is out of your pocket. It's not like you got somebody else to say, well, you're good. You know, Hey, everybody fucks up. It's like, no, you fucked up. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there's like kind of like the, I think everybody like if you're in the America in America or whatever, everybody like wants to see people like that they like succeed and everything. And when they go forward, everybody's happy. But there is that feeling that some people are just like when you are successful in any way, they're just I don't know, rooting for you to fail or whatever. Spiteful. Yeah, yeah. We haven't seen none of it in our community. We've been pretty you know, everybody's been pretty happy to mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. see somebody doing something kind of interesting out here. Nice, nice. Uh, there's, there's, there's businesses, but like, we'll tell everybody, like, yeah, there's a winery here in Pierce County, and they're like, really, Pierce County? <laughs> like, just there's nothing out here. We're definitely not wine country. You know? <laughs> right. So, um, I guess we should pivot to some of the Liberty stuff because I am interested in hearing your thoughts. Um, what kind of got you into libertarianism? And uh, I guess let's start there and we can work to some of the other stuff, especially in Georgia, because I'm really curious about your thoughts. Right on. Um, so I, I suppose it was like in between the uh, the Ron Paul, um, both of his runs for president, um, sometime before the 2012 campaign, like it was kind of a combination of like seeing the like few times John Stewart would pivot to like a funny thing to say about like all the Republicans and it would be like all these assholes and oh and Ron Paul and Joe Rogan would talk about Ron Paul like you know like he, he's you know he's an honest man and all this kind of stuff and you you just just started seeing Ron Paul and libertarianism talked about in that time and then you know got slightly involved in just like some local activity to push him during the 2012 election when that when that kind of fell through saw gary johnson i like i liked gary johnson in the debates that i saw him and and ron paul ron paul going at it but uh and i voted for gary but with election cycles um and you know it just always was kind of like i'm libertarian but not very involved um, never really saw the point of it, but I was just kind of like, hey, if I, but I hate Republicans and Democrats so much. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I am that kind of like, well, now I don't know. I don't know how, how I describe myself. We talked before we uh, 
started here about just kind of like being in the, the podcast reading philosophy circle of all this mm -hmm. stuff. You just kind of like, we're not even just like, we're not level one libertarians, which is already a lonely road. We're like, yeah. we make other libertarians uncomfortable. We're <laughs> in the woods. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, the Mises caucus thing came around and that just seemed exciting. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big Scott Horton fan. So like when he kind of like joined and kind of like was kind of making that his push for Dave Smith and mm -hmm. read, um, you know, his, him getting involved and stuff and just inviting me on his podcast and all that kind of stuff. Just like it became a fun thing and starting to meet all the people and just kind of got involved in the party. Now, oh, yeah. now I'm kind of like involved in the state party and do, doing not, not too much. I try not to do. Like, I don't want to really get like burned out on this because I'm really like, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what the Mises caucus does and all this kind of, everybody gets like one Twitter, we're one Twitter fight away from the whole, the revolution die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is that it, there does almost seem to be this kind of divide. And this has been something that I've been talking about, about where we should focus and where we shouldn't focus. And um, when I see Republicans who are bad on foreign policy, but they're being toted as if they're good, right? Like all these China hawk Republicans, and this has been something I've just beat to death because nobody else is talking about it. I don't know what to do other than just say like, hey, this is like the State Department's long-term goal that they want to fight a war with China. Um, and you have good libertarians saying, oh, well, we shouldn't run against these or these liberty republicans quote unquote these maga guys who are like saying that we should blow up warships uh, in the taiwan strait and all this crazy shit so and, and before we were talking or before we started it kind of seemed like you were kind of on the same boat here where you're kind of like eh, these liberty republicans are a little shaky no they're very shaky i would i'm literally like I wouldn't run a libertarian against Rand Paul or Thomas Massey. Mm -hmm. Fuck the rest. <laughs> After that, no, none of them are good. I mean, Justin Amash was a good Republican. Republican. Um, there's a few others that are okay, you know, low profile. But when you get to like Senate level, like most people are fucking lizard people. In, in Congress, you got a handful of people that maybe maybe somebody's, I don't know. A, a few years ago, we were at the level of, oh, my God, we're giving Israel $7 billion a year. That's mm -hmm. crazy. And now the money dumped into Ukraine has just been insane. So if there's a Republican that's saying no, no money to Ukraine, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Nobody in Georgia is really that, that cool. So I, I hope. I voted for every libertarian on my ticket. Uh, you know, Shane Hazel, uh, Ryan Graham, Chase Oliver, all them guys. Like, we fight on Twitter and stuff, but I mean, every one of them agree with every podcast bro or whatever on uh, you know foreign policy and all that kind of stuff. For the most part, I mean, we do argue about foreign policy, but it's like the difference between say like chase oliver are you familiar familiar with uh chase oliver yeah i i've every i've seen a lot of his takes and i really didn't like some of his takes but though um what little i did see of his debate performance was actually really good yeah yeah and that's the thing like everybody we get in these twitter spats and that's kind of like my relationship with chase like it's <laughs> For a few years, like I would just be like, you know, on Twitter, like I don't like this take and back and forth, but whatever. He's a nice guy when you meet him. Um, and then like he, he's running against Herschel Walker, who's insane. Like everybody hates Democrats, but Herschel Walker's insane. He's okay, so, so what's the deal with Herschel Walker? Because I just saw everybody talking about him on Twitter one day, and I had no idea who the fuck he was. <laughs> he's a football player from back in the day like right. like i'm not a football guy but i think he won heisman i could be wrong mm -hmm. i don't, I don't even know, know what that means i don't even know if that's a football trophy that could be a hockey trophy 
for as long as I pay attention. But Herschel Walker, um, you know, he's a bad motherfucker on the football field. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, just like Michael Malice did a read through on his book, like the the live stream the other day. Just watch that. It's, It's a delight. He just talks about like, internal monologues Herschel himself like about like killing a dude over being late on a delivery and just praying to God or whatever that he's not gonna <laughs> have to kill the dude and he's like you know has a long history of domestic uh, violence and abandoning his kids and apparently see apparently or allegedly whatever like he's gotten women to to um do abortions and stuff like that but as a politician he's like 100 oh it's like like no exceptions all this kind of shit which is to rational people that want to have this conversation about abortion policy that's terrifying when they're just mm-hmm. like nope no exceptions you know it's there are except there has to be exceptions in that kind of conversation and stuff where we go to crazy town and then that's where you get like the both sides just using that issue as like a i don't know it's a lightning rod for everything yeah i hate i hate the uh, go ahead uh, so the abortion issue is really really interesting and especially and that's really funny that you said that he's like starting no exceptions but then you dig into his personal life and he's you know fucking pulling them out by the coat hanger by the dozen but um (laughs) i'm i'm fervently pro-life right i do believe life begins at conception but um, when it comes to rape or non-viable pregnancies, then I would say, okay, well, as soon as possible, or, you know, the life of the mother takes agency over the child because, um, you know, the, the mother's already here and there's already kind of a precedent set. Um, that being said, I see some of the fucking paleo guys kind of going off saying, well, screw the wars. We should just focus on abortion. It's like, okay, well, to me, that is like a losing position because Abortion is already an insanely charged topic, so I don't think you're going to get everybody to agree with my position on this. I honestly don't. I think you could get everybody to agree to first trimester, but on top of that, I think you could get everybody to agree that like, hey, we should end the empire. You will never get everybody to agree that abortion is murder. You will never do that. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if you'll ever even get everybody to like acknowledge that we're in an empire. <laughs> right. Like it's just it's abortion is an issue like libertarianism like we're always like we always come to somewhere kind of in agreement Mm -hmm. because of the philosophy it comes down and it's pretty simple of owning yourself and then abortion is just there is that sticking issue of its two beings Mm -hmm. um i am i'm on the i'm I'm on the pro-choice side. I've always been pretty vocal about that. Um, even just involved in the Mises caucus, I, shit in Reno, I wanted, I was vocally like, I'm like, I don't want to remove the plank. Um, I'm, was going to vote against it, but the pragmatic pragmatist libertarians, whatever the, the opposition to the Mises caucus was trying to drag out the meeting so long that I just was like, and whatever i'm just gonna go gamble and just you know left like the day the day was one we got all the mises caucus installed and i and i can see i'm not like crazy like against like removing the plank i understand the arguments Mm -hmm. i've I've had the more i've you know discussed with others i kind of can see the point of like just allowing people to have their own personal you know, outlook per candidate and not really taking the stance because it is that one issue that the sticking point is it's two beings. Um, Mm -hmm. I always tend to put myself on the pro-choice side in any argument just because naturally I'm just like, yeah, but what is, what are we going to have the government do to people? And most of these people, it's not like a Sarah Silverman sketch where it's just like, this is my 10th abortion. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think that's you know, what a lot of people think it is. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's normally, you know, people on the worst day of their life, mm-hmm. you know, whether it is they're too young or they're, you know, economic 
you know, fears or like you say, like a non-viable pregnancy or rape or yeah. anything like, a, you know, he, when you start getting into like genetic deformities and you start to see that like people like it is a discussion best had between individuals that are going to be raising the child and a doctor. And when we get the government in here that we can all agree does the worst job at everything they do. Yeah. And they make it, you know, it's, it's just, it's a touchy subject, but I, I, I tend to try to not go too crazy in like the, you know, just the language I use when we argue on abortion and stuff with people because yeah. there's, there's a, it's a big gray area. <laughs> right. Well, it's a very nuanced topic. And when I talk to people about it, um, like I said, I am fervently pro-life, but I understand the arguments. And like I said, I don't think you will ever get a blanket consensus on this. So um, I, I don't like this idea of giving concessions to either side, but in order to get something that everybody could agree on, unfortunately, in this specific situation, um, unless you have this just general insane change in the culture, I don't think you're going to win the abortion issue. But like I said, this is why I think it's perhaps more important to focus on being anti-war, because if you raise awareness and people understand the bad that our government does overseas, I think that's totally more feasible to reach people where they're at and get them to agree with you. Like, hey, this is the worst shit that our government does, and this should stop, because this is why we have mass shooters that come over here and do the shit that they do. Absolutely, Kyle. Like... (laughs) I get, I try not to get offended at anything. I'm a child of the internet, you know, like, um, <laughs> but, but when the paleo cons or paleo libertarians, whatever they call themselves, compare American foreign policy and what it's done to not only like our generation and like how much it's like stolen from us, like, but the people that it's trampled across the globe and everything and just comparing that evil um to you know abortion which is a gray evil at best like it's just like that makes me go like well i'll just go vote for stacy abrams and be a shit lib and watch disney plus (laughs) because like the reason i'm here in the Mises caucus is for the anti-war shit like Mm -hmm. i'm i'm here to like i don't think gary johnson was anti-war enough or joe jorgensen i voted for him like i was saying like yeah but like i wanted to you know rally um help rally like the anti-war movement into li- the libertarian party because I, I think honestly it's like we're never gonna get we're never gonna live in ancapistan no maybe read up there in new hampshire or something yeah like in a little commune but they're gonna wake them or something um <laughs> but if we could be a tool that helps at least scale us back from the brink of nuclear war now, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, maybe we're doing some good now. I don't necessarily see the pathway to there. Like (laughs) right now we're kind of like the anti-war movement. I don't understand why people aren't freaking out about Ukraine, you know, like, like we are, like, we're like told you so and everything, you know, we are at the brink of nuclear war for the first time since the Cold War. And that's crazy. It's crazy as hell. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah. And well, I, this is I, why I, I, okay. No, no. You, you know, you can't hug your children with nuclear arms. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> um, and this is why I kind of do a lot of hand waving about the China stuff because there's nobody that's good on this issue and this will be the next big push I mean they had those military drills back in August when Nancy Pelosi went and they keep doing these congressional delegations and there's nobody like not even the MAGA Republicans who are supposed to be anti-war they're not they're terrible on this issue and they're in fact saying that Biden's not going hard enough but meanwhile you know they're talking about you know, selling all these arms to Taiwan and just doing all this insane shit. And and like, nobody seems to talk about it. And I've, I've even noticed that some leaders in our movement don't seem to be as well informed on it. Like when our certain leaders go on Tim pool and he starts doing his usual China Hawk talking points. Um, 
he wasn't sufficiently knowledgeable on said issue to combat that. And not that I think that if given the right knowledge, he, you know, said person wouldn't combat it, but it's surprising that they aren't aware of this when this is like a huge thing going on in the background. And in, you know, once, if this Russia Ukraine shit settles down, which I don't think it really will, um, then that's going to be next on the chopping block. And we're going to hear about how everybody's an Asian spy. And, you know, I'm going to be complicit in the CCP. I'm going to be a Xi Jinping worshiper or something like that. <laughs> Just yeah, like we're, sure. we're, we're pushing Putin talking points. Whoever that certain leader is that was on that certain temple show that did, you know, I, I, I agree with you. It was probably like he just didn't have his like his talking points, like ready to fire at him like he does on. Yemen and everything, you know, he's, he's great on a lot of stuff. Yeah, but, oh, he's great on everything else, but that part, he I dropped think, the ball. I think he who shall not be named. I, I don't know why we're dancing around it, but I, <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. playing, but um, he, he's, he's trying to talk to the right wing, and that's cool, like talking to the right wing. That's kind of like the mission of the Mises Caucus in a way of just being able to communicate with right-wing people. But it's got to, like, you got, we can't, like, at the very least, not, like, shake them from their China hawkness or whatever. <laughs> I'm trying to make a word. Or, but, you got to stand firm against when know. they're being hawkish. Yeah, it's like, you talk about, like, MAGA Republicans and everything, and I, I kind of see, like, I think it's just like people want to label people MAGA Republicans, whether they want to do it negatively or positively. But really, like, who who would you have in mind? Do you have like a particular like active politician? I would refer right to like, probably like Blake, I, Blake Masters, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Some of the like actual like these guys are good on some stuff. They really are. But this is also the problem with the whole oh. America. Yeah. This is the problem with the whole America First movement is that now this is just a watered down term that people will put on there to get people to put their signs in their yards, right? America First doesn't mean anything anymore. It's just, you know, a saying for people to think that you're associated with the Trump Republicans, which, uh, okay, I, I agree with them on some stuff, but it's now become a platitude, right? It's no longer useful. Yeah. And even like, when it was used for the Trump thing, I think it was something else before, like kind of like, I don't know what some neocons or something would probably call isolationists or something. Yeah. But like, they were trying to like label Trump as that. And he was just like, yeah, that's fine. Don't, <laughs> don't bomb these people. Or something. Like he just randomly would, you know, say brilliant things when he was just being an idiot, mm -hmm. like not brilliant, but you know, simply like things like the right president's place, the right not time. supposed to be yeah yeah for sure he would go with his gut instinct about something as a reporter was trying to like trap him into being like he is part of this what we're going to label some sort of fascist america first thing and he's just like yeah america first before other countries <laughs> and people are like yeah <laughs> i don't know the press made him the monster that he is mm -hmm. um and everybody wants to say like how great the trump movement was for like making the Republicans anti-war, but he didn't. And not even like in in talking points. Like George W. Bush got elected talking about not being in foreign wars. And we all know how that turned out. And Ron DeSantis, for some reason, libertarians got this like fucking wet dream over this dude. And he's I mean, he made his bones in Guantanamo Bay being a lawyer. And he's he is a agent of the global whatever war on terror and him as president obviously is not going to slow any of this down you know it, it china, yeah the china the taiwan shit i'm sure it'll pop off that's that's the thing like if we are successful we america the american government is successful in this ukraine and russia thing i don't really see how we're gonna be like this was a success at any point now but if we're not defeated we just roll right into taiwan for the next thing and we yeah. just keep this global empire shit that's just gonna keep i don't know i think it'll be the death of the human race honestly like just 
this march to, you know, everybody freaks out about climate change and the number one contributor to, you know, pollution is the American military. Yep. Uh, we all talk about, you know, the financial collapse or like, you, you know, not financial collapse, but, you know, the inflation and how our yeah. money's devalued. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's all because we're spending it on government spending, which half of that is who knows how much it is really like percentage wise, but, but the mass amount of it that goes to that entity that is over there and stretching across the globe. And I, I don't know, we got to chill it out, you know, <laughs> chill out guys. Yeah. We're well, good. well, like the whole Israel stuff was something that I kind of came to just recently. Like I knew the Israeli government was bad and, and it's genius how they conflate, um, being anti-Semitic with being anti-Israeli government. And people could say, oh, well, you know, why are you worried about another country? Well, when this other country literally has like speech laws on the books and they dictate, you know, which politician gets billions of dollars in their pocket for their campaign. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried about that little country over there that actually shapes the way we, you know, we, the way we live our lives here in this country. And that's literally what that country does. <laughs> Yeah, dude, it's um, it's wild. Once you start going down that road, it's an uncomfortable road to go down mm -hmm. because of how people paint it, like being anti-Semitic. First time Reed ever like let me go on his podcast, I was like, okay, I was all nervous. Like, I'm I'm not gonna say anything crazy, like you know, like, you know, a business everything. But but right off the bat, I'm just like, yeah, so Israel, right? <laughs> <laughs> we go down that. I don't know. It's you go down that, you look at a lot of things that's running our government, you know, just look, APAC, you know, what, what significant politician doesn't just get their praise? None of them, not one of them. They all go through that. And we even talk about like, I, I mentioned Thomas Massey and Rand Paul, like they're the good Republicans that are, but I bet they, they don't get rowdy on Israel because you don't you don't do that in american politics maybe one of the squad will but they're still but they're getting super donations, progressive girls yeah. but it, they still get slandered as an yeah. anti-semitic right you know. <laughs> but they're getting cash yeah, from all the world corporations is, sure sure but then who owns who owns some corporate uh, we've got to get down kanye yeah. west <laughs> 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 yeah the, the jew <laughs> that, that, that was pretty so funny. so yeah the uh um, back to the uh shane, shane hazel campaign <laughs> yeah well okay actually i'm glad you mentioned that um, no. what what was uh listen if my governor candidate would have went on stage and just dropped the pants on both those people um, I, I would be like singing his praises. Unfortunately, my governor candidate didn't, and uh, I, I don't want to go into too many reasons why. Um, I'm a little disappointed in our state party, but like Shane, the only thing I could think of is like they're never going to let this dude back in the debates because he just fucking spanked them. I mean, he literally attacked them, you know, the left from the left and the right from the right. He made Brian Kemp look like a fucking child on that stage. He left him speechless so um yeah i guess a little monologue to kind of pose the question what was your reaction and to the people that you know in your local community did you talk to people about this like, like the liberty community or like people in my community like uh, both. local community but um so honestly like to be perfectly honest non-libertarian people some were turned off by it okay um in my community like more liberal people kind of middle of the road sure but it was more just the whole like boy he was sure they were having to like shut him up i thought it was great but yeah. I, I mean that's what i'm going for like mm -hmm. i wanted somebody to be up there and be like you're, you're all monsters and you know <laughs> and shane, shane went up there and they they literally were like had to play them off the music as they were like, well, that's the 2022, uh, you know, debate that I, and he's still like taxation is theft. <laughs> um, now 
looking on Twitter, I think we got a lot like in Georgia, you know, people in Georgia tweeting about it or Facebook. Like I, I think there was a lot of people that were charged about it. And that's kind of like the balance that we got to like think about is you're going to turn off some normies either way. And most of the normies are not going to vote for it anyway, because they're kind of, they're normies and they're either in one camp or the other, the Democrat or the Republican. And they're not, they're not ready to remove themselves from that idea that they got to beat Joe Biden or got to beat Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe every once in a while they'll throw a vote for some local libertarian thing. Like I was talking to a, a guy, uh, here's, here's a conversation I had with somebody before the debate, but he was just like old drunk 60 year old dude just sitting there yammering. But he's like, I'm a libertarian, Will, because he knew I was. Like, I'm pretty out. And he's just like, I'm a libertarian, too. And I was like, great. That's great, man. Heck, yeah. And he's like, yep. Uh, I I don't even think voting's worth it. And I was just like, dang, he's really, like, <laughs> going, like, don't vote or vote libertarian. That's what I say. And I was like, heck, yeah. Hey, why don't you check out our um, the guy we got running for governor, Shane Hazel? He's great. He's, you know, he's a veteran, and he talks the talk and everything. And he's pretty boring. He's like, well immediately his tune changes like well the the governor election is serious though and we cannot allow stacy abrams mm-hmm. to take over the governor you know she, and it just immediately you know people go back to that like it's a team sport you know when you really think about it stacy abrams as governor is going to suck but she's going to have a republican legislature to like mm-hmm. combat she's not going to be able to push any kind of like crazy gun laws or anything and and she'll be more hindered than brian kemp is brian kemp right now like you know there's no pressure on him to legalize marijuana do any kind of bail reform any any kind of like reform to like you know qualified immunity all that kind of stuff the things like georgia needs as far as like liberty wins What's going on, guys? Um, We're going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about these show sponsors and the way that you can support me and this podcast. Um, I'm sponsored by Axe and Sledge. Won't really focus in here, but uh, right here in my hand, I have their um, the grind, which is essential amino acids and hydration. Um, feel free to check it out. Um, this is your mom's sweet peach. They have some awesome flavors and awesome names. They also have multivitamins, fat burners, creatine, beta alanine, um, all sorts of different supplements to help you get all jacked and tan and help you become a person more full of uh, liberty and health as this show is about. So um, if you want to support me and support this podcast, then feel free to go to axonsledge.com and check out um, all their great supplements there and use code Matovic10, that's matovcik one zero at checkout for a little discount and to let them know I sent you their way. All right, everybody. Thanks. Now back on to the show. Like they still throw people in jail for marijuana, like, and ruin their lives, like, down here. Like, it ain't no joke. Like, um, there's, like, a little bit of, like, the Delta 8 stuff or whatever that, that's legal. But even in some counties where the sheriff don't like that shit, though, they went in and, you know, arrested shops that people set up with the legal Delta 8. That's, it's a gray area, but they just, you know, they bust wow. heads. And you know, yeah, so it's there's a balance to this. It's, we're not always on the Republicans' team, you know. I, I really couldn't give a shit if we we have, you know, Stacey Abrams be governor or or Brian Kemp. They both suck. Brian Kemp did do a like sign in constitutional carry, so that is one thing. Like oh, that that was good. <laughs> there's a balance. Maybe he signed in constitutional carry. Maybe he loses. I think he's going to win anyway, honestly. Mm. Maybe we do it to a runoff, but I'm pretty sure people are pretty happy with Kemp as far as like the, the traditional independent voters that will flow in between or right. whatever. But who knows? It's still a race that could be, you know, anybody's race or whatever. But Stacey Abrams maybe like, she works with the legislature and we get some kind of marijuana reform or cop reform or something. And this is a libertarian outcome through the, the process. It's, it's a big country and all these kind of like these avenues change depending on what issue 
you're really looking at, you know? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And that's something that um, I actually never hear people talk about. And um, I was told that I need to condemn Hector Roos's run for governor in Florida as feckless and ineffective because I said, I really don't think it's going to matter. Like, dude, so many people moved to Florida. Do you really think they're moving there and going to vote for who or uh, Charlie Christ or whatever the hell his name is? You really think they're going to do that and give up, you know, the 2020 they had versus the 2020 that they had wherever else? Probably not. So I think Hector's run is inconsequential. But um, the, the point I was getting at there is that you mentioned the Republican legislature. And it's interesting to think that, okay, well, maybe it's not um completely doomed if you get a democrat governor as most people would tell you yeah yeah for sure it's there's an ebb and a flow i've never lived under a democratic governor like in my entire life <laughs> in georgia now some of them uh what do we call them the paleo libertarians post libertarians like, or whatever you know yeah, in that yeah whatever like they would be like, and that's why you love Georgia is because you've lived under a republic. You know? yeah. But, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm basically a, a liberal, you know, like in all my sensibilities, pro-choice, secular as fuck, you know, you know, I'm more of a drug libertarian enthusiast than a gun libertarian. Not that, you know, you can, you know what, never mind. I don't like either of them things government or whatever <laughs> but, but i'm just you know like my sensibilities lean like in the more liberal aspect that sure. that's kind of how i originally got into libertarianism now i went down the rabbit hole to where we're like oh like i can i can jive with some hoppy and talk even though i think i think a, a lot of those guys when they stretch it out to like a state or an existing community, they're crazy. They're talking crazy shit. Like they're ridiculous. And they're just like, almost, I think it's being edgy, like edge Lord shit. Yeah. Just to like be like, yeah, we would, we're really cool. Like, but it's, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say that as a libertarian anarchist or whatever. <laughs> Not that I even like really, like I call myself an anarchist, but I don't really like take that to the full conclusion to where it goes i'm just like if we can just shoot guns and smoke weed without them killing our dogs like we're that's a win you know maybe less taxes please <laughs> yeah any anything is preferable to where we're at now yeah i'm all for the messaging of like abolish the state and the irs and all this kind of stuff and in the fed i'm just like yeah but like on the way there let's let's if it all blows up it ain't gonna be a fun time you know, like yeah. we live in fun times, you know, I, I think you she hulk she hulk was great. <laughs> I, I, I think the a, goal <laughs> of like the Mises caucus, to kind of, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I think the goal of the Mises caucus is more of to have like a network of people um, when this whole ship kind of comes crashing down, because I really don't think anybody has the surefire solution to stop the federal reserve from printing trillions of dollars. I mean, we just crossed $31 trillion in debt. Um, I don't think they're going to stop arming Ukraine. I don't think we're going to be able to stop them um, sending weapons and doing weapon sales into Taiwan. So I think what we really kind of have to hope for is that whenever the dollar collapses and civilization in the United States, as we know, kind of shifts over, um, we hopefully have enough people to kind of rally around and have good communities in different areas that's kind of the way that i see it and that's such like a black pilled take but it's you know what i see is the best thing going forward yeah and that's you know i see that too a little bit of that like there's a positive in it no matter what direction either the caucus takes or the um like the fucking empire man they can stretch that death out for 200 years and it ain't our problem at that point you know um you just got to learn how to like operate your business or your personal life under the rules that were that were given you know if the fucking government's giving you money to for corona you know whatever relief take that shit you know like get back as much that you put into the system don't sit here and be like oh well i'm that they take everything we do you can't do a thing without where the government's not taking its cut 10 times over before you originally like you know, I would like this product or service and, you know, 
in that exchange, there are so many cuts from different government entities that it's just kind of like, let's, it's not just the federal government we worry about. It's not just the state governments or I don't know. I, I'm kind of like, let's take it issue by issue and not just hope for ultimate collapse, even though like maybe prepare for collapse. Cause they're, they, I mean, I don't fucking know if it's a nuclear bomb, we ain't got to worry about it really, but <laughs> economic, I don't know. But the, the, they have really built a crazy world for us to live in. You know, like we're, we're going through like our third economic crash or recession of our lifetimes. Like the war on terror has existed for our, basically, you know, how, how old are you? I'll be uh, 28 in 12 days. Yeah, so your your entire life, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah, and you know, both of our life. Just all these things, like I don't know. It's just I can sympathize with the whole collapsitarian outlook and stuff, but I, honestly, it's just like we don't. It could end tomorrow. It could end, and they could stretch it out well past its time. Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, we can just take victories where we get them or whatever. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Like there's some people that are just like, they want the system to get so bad that it falls apart immediately and then we can rebuild. But it's also I, just like, yeah, but my. There's a lot of pain on the way there. And I am a fan of the least pain possible, but I, I think that people should kind of prepare for the worst but also try to push for the best. So um, strategic liberty is what I like, where you do have good liberty Republicans. And this definition that I'm laying out here gets pretty nuanced because um, as you and I kind of established, you don't run somebody against Thomas Massey or Rand Paul. Um, are they perfect? No, but are they about as good as you're going to get? Yeah. Don't run anybody against them. But um we got to find a way to get politicians to make concessions to their voters because right now it's basically whoever kowtows to the MIC or big corporations or Israel the most is going to get the big donor money and then they generally sweep that race. Um, and on a state level, just try to reduce your government as much as possible, but um, also accept the fact that um, the life that we've known for our entire lives, um, by the time we're probably... Um, you know, in our 40s, 50s, it, it may be completely different. Now, I can't say that for sure, but um, there's a lot of signs pointing that way. And we haven't quite seen double digit inflation, um, you know, in, in like what, 40 years. And we're pretty much there right now. Um, so, it, you know, hyperinflation doesn't happen overnight. And I'm sure it starts off kind of like where we're at. And then one day, all of a sudden, your money means nothing. So I, I think people need to keep that in the back of their minds, but also have optimism for the future, because I believe that the technology and the foundation that's laid in this country is absolutely phenomenal. And the people here um, do want something much better. But how we get about that is just kind of up in the air and nobody really knows how to get there. I'm with you right there. That's two white pills to, to, to meditate on right there. It's like the foundation of America, you know, not our, it is the worst government. That's probably not the worst government, but like the most powerful government that's ever existed. Right. But like the foundation for like our, the spirit of our country is definitely very Liberty inspired and, and, you know, focusing on, you know, your individual, your individualism and your ability to grow and build your own empire and your own little empire yeah. through peaceful means or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And then like technology, like, you know, we can, all the dollar collapses and some, you know, somebody throws in Bitcoin and, you know, we can like get our systems, you know, to flow. It doesn't have to be some sort of fucking, you know, pre-World War II type scenario where you see this and, new Hitler comes out and gets all the knuckleheads riled up or, yeah. or something. Um, maybe we just replace it with Bitcoins and Amazon drones mm. and uh, she Hulk season two and everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's what we could uh, 
definitely hope for. Um, I, I don't know what to expect. And anybody telling you what's going to happen in the future, I think kind of already has an agenda or kind of their future shaped out in their mind. I don't know what to expect, but I, I do believe that um, some of the people we're being told are very liberty and freedom-minded are, I don't want to say an op, but if it was an op or it, it wouldn't look much different. <laughs> I feel like there are some good people being led astray by propaganda and it's unfortunate, but we need to, I hate to say it, spread the message, but spread the message. And I think that we need to kind of rally around the cause for Liberty and also try to move people in our direction and, you know, just prepare for the worst, but also hope for the best, because I do believe that, like I said earlier, I believe we can come through the other side of this a lot better than we went into it. Yeah. And don't be afraid to angrily shame libertarians, like self-described libertarians as not being like full-on anti-war nuts. Mm -hmm. That's something like we all get here at different places and some people get here through, you know, vastly different issues and they find themselves in libertarian camps. But the anti-war shit has to, like we, I'm just, I'm tired of it. Like not, like everybody's anti-war, like even Bill Crystal or whatever. It's like, yeah, I'm anti-war. But, you know, we really got to like be Scott Horton level. Like, nope, fuck that. Like we shouldn't be involved in China with China's, you know, borders. We shouldn't be involved in European borders. We need to just Ron Paul style, like, Two good submarines could protect this country. <laughs> Mind our own fucking business. As, yeah, as close as we can get to that, which that's that's a lofty goal, sure. But what in libertarianism isn't? Right. I mean, I'm all for like you know getting heroin legalized and stuff too. But we can work, <laughs> <laughs> we can work towards like if we can. That's a noble endeavor to try to like be the spearhead of the anti-war movement like revitalize that because american people are asleep you know um they're just i I don't know apathetic to the they're just like what are you gonna do we we bitched about it kind of in iraq and they just kept on going like there's really no significant movement um like dave smith is our big guy and I, i you know I love Dave Smith. I'm a Legion of Skanks fan and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, we need like Oprah up there, like shaming the president or something, like <laughs> getting mad about Yemen. Right. Or I don't know. Like, I mean, Joe Rogan, that's a pretty big, you know, that's a big personality in American culture. That's how I got to libertarianism, even though he's like, you know, he ain't, he ain't great on a lot of, sh- or he ain't great on everything. He's, yeah. he's a, pretty normal middle of the road dude but that's an avenue to just get people whatever avenue just get people awake to this shit and not apathetic to it some people are like yeah i know they're terrible but what are you gonna do right and i'm kind of like that i don't know i don't know join the mises caucus and be like rah rah now what (laughs) yeah well you know (laughs) that's what i'm kind of I started the podcast in hopes that I could get some more health-minded people in our direction, and it doesn't seem like I had to push them very far, so I'm optimistic in that regards. Dude, you're about out of wine. We've been shooting the shit for an hour. I got a couple last questions to ask everybody, yeah. and we'll uh, close her out and shoot the shit for a few minutes on the other side. Um, what does liberty look like to you? Um, individualism, you know? like. We, we talk property rights and all that kind of stuff, like everything that like we see there, but just, just the ability to like live your life how you want to, whatever issue that falls under and having people not coerce you and into like, you know, uh, sorry about that. I'm not going to be able to stop that, but you know, just, just general individualism is like, is where I kind of see it. Just, radical individualism if you will mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> sorry, 
uh, my, my internet connection and your phone. Yeah, dude, that's all right. Um, what does health look like to you? I don't know, man. I've ate like shit for the past week. It's been a, it's been a pizza, Chinese food, burger kind of week. That's not know. a bad thing. Always. Um, yeah, yeah. Just doing it. in today's world, I feel like I'm pretty good just because I work outside and uh, move every day. And some of my neighbors, I'm just like, oh man, that's Lord, <laughs> help them. But um, yeah, generally just staying away from the Debbie cakes as much as possible, getting some sunshine, mm. moving every now and again, that kind nice. of thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that wraps up pretty good. Um, <laughs> where can everybody find you, dude? Um, just on Twitter at not Will Bell Boy. Um, I'm not, I'm not trying to like um, Will Bell Boy is not me. That was. That was my, you know, I don't want to get banned or whatever, but not Will Bell Boys on Twitter and Rabbit Eye Wine is my company, my family company. We sell wine. Check us out at rabbiteyewine.com. And uh, I don't know, argue with me on Twitter or something. Nice. Yeah. Tell me how I'm not a real libertarian. Call each other faggots for a little bit or something like that. Yeah, please. <laughs> All right, dude. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.